Hello, welcome to another episode of Lawyers for Immigrants. My name is Ife He. I'm the president of the law office of Ife He, where we put the grant in immigrants. We represent immigrants and new Americans in all aspects of immigration law. And on my podcast, I interview other lawyers in other practice areas and ask them how they are helping immigrants and new Americans. You can find our podcast on all streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. Today, my guest is Employment Attorney Bob Lane Saberwall of the Law Office of Bob Lane Saberwall. She's been practicing employment law for over 10 years, and she just recently started her own practice in employment law. So, Bob Lane, so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for that introduction, Yuffie. Um, I'm happy to be here, and I'm excited to uh, to get started. Great, great. Thank you for coming. Um, so what first question is, what inspired you to get into employment law? Well, I started my career in uh, personal injury law, and I was representing plaintiffs who were injured in car accidents. Um, I really enjoyed the litigation aspect of those cases, the court conferences, the depositions, the trials, but I did not like going through medical records um, and that aspect of it. So I transitioned into employment law and I realized I loved it and that's what I've stuck with for almost a decade. Great. And you've recently started your own practice in employment law, correct? Yes, I started a very fresh practice. It's uh, about a month old and uh, I'm just getting started. Great. Um, And do you have experience representing immigrants in your employment law practice or in your previous past? So in my past, I handled employment cases on behalf of employers um, being sued by employees. So some of my clients were owners of small businesses and they happened to be immigrants. Um, At this point, I handle um, cases on behalf of employers and also on behalf of plaintiffs who feel like they've been wronged. I see. So your background was in representing companies, but now you're trying to expand into representing employees as well. Is that correct? Absolutely, yes. I see. And what kind of what kind of issues have you seen representing these companies in, in your past that involve immigrants? Um, so the, the main issues I've seen uh, generally involve um, unfair labor practices um, relating to pay that immigrants have, claim that they have not received. Um, Usually it's violations of uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act where you have hourly employees that are either not being paid uh, for the hours that they've been working, uh, whereas they worked more hours and they were only paid 40 hours a week. Um, That's fairly common. And I've seen um, employees not being paid tips, um, tips that they're owed, uh, for bar services they provide, maybe their bar backs, maybe their um, servers and restaurants. Um, so that's that's fairly common. And the the second type of um, claims that I see a lot of is um, 
just straight discrimination claims, um, people not liking immigrants and people having an agenda against immigrants and, you know, targeting them in the workplace. I see. So let's go back to your first point, the wage and hour violations. So can you tell us what the correct law is and what immigrants are entitled to in terms of wage and hour? So as far as the wage and hour laws are concerned, um, many immigrants are under the misperception that they're not entitled to file complaints against their employer, either with the Department of Labor, the Department of State, or in the state or federal court, um, if they're not being paid the wages that they're owed. And that certainly is not the case under the law. Um, the law makes it very clear that regardless of your immigration status, um, you are entitled um, to be paid uh, the wages you're owed. And um, I'm actually looking at um, the employment uh, chapter of um, this law, and I can read you the quote that it has. Um, it says the New York Court of Appeals has ruled that an unauthorized alien may recover lost wages where he or she was either injured in the workplace in violation of the labor laws or not being paid the wages um, they are owed under New York State's um, Minimum Wage Act. And this law applies uh, whether you're a state employee or a federal employee that's working on an hourly basis. Okay, so basically that law applies to unauthorized aliens. So that means people without papers, and that means that anybody can be covered under that law. Right, anyone from an unauthorized alien to someone who has here is on a, a work visa or a green card. So it's regardless of, it's everyone across the board, basically. Okay, and uh, what exactly are they protected against? Well, the law essentially says that they're entitled to their wages. Um, so if they are seeking to recover their wages, they do have remedies available to them. Um, and they can recover those wages. They can sue their employer. Um, their employer cannot say that it's a defense, that they're undocumented or anything of that nature. Uh, I would say that generally employers are precluded from hiring illegal aliens um, or people without their, uh, without their papers. Um, but if they do hire those individuals, then they are left with um, having to pay those individuals what they're owed. So the law would protect these employees regardless of their immigration status. Right. And then actually, if the employer hires the immigrants, it's the employers, they get in trouble for hiring someone without papers. It's not the, the employees who get in trouble for being employed under the table. I, absolutely. And I, I feel like that's part of the misconception that I, 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 I've seen a lot. Um, you know, employers may get in trouble and may get fined, um, you know, especially certain states. I've I've had a client in Arizona where ICE is very active, um, get fined uh, substantial amounts of money. I think it was in the tens of thousands of dollars for for not properly checking um, 
the immigration status of their employees and they were fined. Um, New York State, and I'm sure you could speak to this better, um, <laughs> ICE is, uh, is, is not monitoring the same way. Um, right. You know, so, you know, in, in New York State, um, an employer, I haven't seen, I'm, I'm sure there's instances where employers have gotten fined for hiring uh, illegal aliens. Um, it's not as common as it may be in other states, but the point is that, as you mentioned, there are legal remedies available for these employees to recover their wages, regardless of what their employer did and when they hired them and whether it was against the law. Okay, so say, for example, I'm an illegal immigrant and I work under the table for $10 an hour and I work maybe like two weeks. I didn't get paid for one week. That's a maximum of 500 bucks that I'm owed. Why would I go to the, the time and expense and hire a lawyer and then sue my employer just to get $500? Well, it's it's actually more than $500. Um, so an employee that's not paid their hourly rate would be able to recover a time and a half. Um, you know, so suppose you're paid $25 an hour, you would be able to recover $75 an hour for you know, every hour you're owed. And on top of that, you're able to recover liquidated damages and any punitive damages on top of that. Um, the Fair Labor Standards Act also allows for your attorney to be compensated. Um, so the employee would not be paying out of pocket um, to have their lawyer recover their fees, um, their wages. Okay, so basically the lawyer is compensated by the lawsuit itself and not directly by the immigrants. That's correct. I see. So it's sort of like a contingency because you said you used to do personal injury, so it's sort of like a contingency that they get paid uh, based on the claim that they get. It sort of is like contingency, but the difference is contingency is agreed upon by the client and the lawyer, whereas the Fair Labor Standards Act, if there is some kind of judgment against the employer. Um, it's in the act that the employer must pay um, the attorney's fees of the employee. And, you know, just following that law, when these cases settle, um, the defendant or the defendant employer usually pays, well, actually in every circumstance I've seen, um, would pay the attorney's fees for the employee. Okay, so basically the court sets out what the employer must pay the attorneys as opposed to a personal injury lawyer where, you know, it's agreed upon one-third of whatever damage is recovered. Um, so that's the main difference between employment and immigration law. Is that right? Right. And so most of these um, wage cases are brought in federal court. Um, and there's something called a cheeks hearing where a judge would determine whether the amount being paid or being settled, um, the case being settled for is fair and reasonable. And in that amount, um, you know, there would also be a designation for attorney's fees that the defendant is paying um, the plaintiff. Okay, great. So do, do these cases actually go to trial or do most of them just settle? Because obviously, you know, if you can show that you're not being paid the wages, you can just easily win, right? Yeah, well, uh, so due to the potential for liquidated damages and punitive damages and also attorney's fees being awarded under the statute, 
if a plaintiff is successful at trial. Um, not many of these cases go to trial. Um, that's not to say that none of these cases go to trial. Um, you know, I, I feel like if an employee has an issue where they feel like they're not being paid uh, what they're owed, um, you know, documentation is very important. So having timesheets or some kind of mechanism to track your hours, um, you know, is extremely helpful because if you don't have that, it turns into a he said, she said case about this is how many hours I worked and the employer arguing, no, you worked a straight nine to five. Um, so I think documentation is, is key. I tell my clients, if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. Right. Does it help if multiple immigrants of the same employment join in, in the same lawsuit, like to determine like a collective number of hours that they each might've worked so that it could be like, you know, 10 people said they work nine to five, but your employer is saying they only work nine to three. So would, would that help as opposed to having documents? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely helpful to have a number of employees uh, making the same claim because it shows a pattern and practice of the employer not paying their employees um, the wages that they're owed. Um, you know, the the potential issues you run into with individuals uh, suing together is they may have distinct issues within each of their cases. Um, so, for example, for some cases, you may just have the employee claiming lost wages and, you know, another plaintiff in that same case may be claiming wages and also discrimination and a host of other violations. So any attorney who, you know, takes on these cases needs to kind of understand um, the individual differences between the cases and uh, needs to evaluate those cases um, accordingly. So the plaintiffs are compensated for what they suffered. I see. Um, well, given that there's this framework of laws and protections in place, what is holding back these immigrants for who are being paid unfairly? Is it just because they don't know the law or is it because they're afraid? Um, why, why do you think there's a lot of underreported wage and hour violations? Well, I feel like it's a it's a combination of what you just said of, um, you know, immigrants not knowing what their rights are under the law um, or immigrants just being afraid to speak up um, and thinking that, you know, they they cannot get help with this um, in the court system. Um, I feel like these wage and hour claims are a lot more common now, which is great, than they were, you know, even two or three years ago. Um, so they're definitely making their way through the court system um, at this point. But I think the awareness definitely needs to be out there. And we need to see, you know, more people speaking up for for their rights and for what they're owed. Okay, well, I mean, you've talked about wage an hour, so that's more, you know, calculations. Like you worked X number of hours uh, at a Y rate of pay, so you should be compensated X times Y, Z. But what about more, you know, amorphous categories like discrimination? How do immigrants bring discrimination claims, and what is that? Well, with discrimination claims, it, it is. Um... 
It is really dependent on the specific facts of what occurred at the workplace. Um, I find that discrimination claims where immigrants um, had comments made against them are the best claims. Um, those are the cases where you have derogatory names, um, you know, or other name calling, bullying, harassment, you know, at the job site because the person is an immigrant or maybe the person doesn't speak the best English or speaks another language. Um, you know, those cases, unfortunately, are still pretty common in this day and age, Um you know, and then you have the cases and it's not to discount the the validity of these cases, but then you have the cases that are, are you know, where an immigrant or a potential plaintiff feels like they're being treated unfairly or they're being targeted because of their 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 race or their ethnic status. Um, you know, so the law generally requires that someone who feels like they're targeted has some kind of objective evidence to show that they were being treated unfairly. Um, so saying, I feel like I was targeted because I was, I'm X ethnicity generally is not good enough to hold up in court. So you need something else. Um, you know, you need to maybe point to a supervisor that has been doing this to other people of the same ethnicity or, you know, maybe point to something um, that shows that you complained about something and the employer retaliated against you or terminated you. Um, okay. Well, what, what are some examples you've seen of this and some damages that people, people have gotten as a result? Um, so, you know, I've seen, I had a case where I was representing an employer and the employee was Vietnamese and there was a coworker who was, you know, tormenting this employee and, you know, saying she drank Vietnamese poop coffee and, you know, just making a joke about it, you know, in front of other coworkers who would laugh at her behalf. Um, and this went on for a year uh, before she actually filed a complaint. Um, as far as damages are concerned, it really depends on your fact pattern. Um, the case I just described, the discrimination went on for a good amount of time, a year. Um, you know, so a case like that would tend to settle for a higher amount than a case where, you know, someone has been working with someone for a week and, you know, there were some comments made and they were misdirected or, something of that nature. So I think more direct comments um, tend to settle for higher amounts as opposed to mere mere insults, like not being nice to someone. Right. So, I mean, you've done personal injury law. So say someone is injured in a car accident, they break their leg, they go to the hospital and then they get treatment, they can't work. And then all that is damages. What about for someone being called you know, Vietnamese coffee? How do they calculate damages based on that? How do you document damages based on that? Right. So it's, um, uh, you're right. Uh, with personal injury, I feel like it's more clear cut. You know, you fracture your leg, it's worth this much money. You get surgery, it's worth this much money. 
Um, for employment cases, it's um, based on two aspects. It's financial and emotional. Um, so if you were terminated from your position and you feel like you were terminated because you are being discriminated against or because of your immigration status or your uh, ethnicity or anything like that, um, you know, although immigration status is not a protected category uh, for purposes of a discrimination lawsuit, your ethnicity, for example, would be. So if you're from a certain country and you feel like your employer does not like people of that country, you know, that would be a protected class. Um, you know, so if you're sued for being, you know, for example, Croatian, I'm just throwing that out there, and you, you can't get another job for three years, um, you know, back wages and front wages would go into your damages. So suppose you make 50000 a year, you know, you would times that by how many years you've been out of work or you're projected to be out of work, and you would be able to recover for that. And the second aspect of it is the emotional distress. So generally in employment cases, you don't need to go to a doctor or a psychiatrist to recover for emotional damages. But if you do, it certainly strengthens your case. Um, you know, so the example I gave you about the Vietnamese woman in, in the office um, being tormented over Vietnamese poop coffee, you know, she had to endure that on a daily basis for a year. Um, so obviously the emotional distress damages, you know, were definitely there on her part. I see. I see. Well, that's, um, you know, very interesting. Um, the stuff we talked about, including wage and hour uh, discrimination. Um, so we'd like to conclude this show by asking you two final questions. One, are there any resources that you recommend to immigrants in particular? And two, are there any other lawyers that you recommend to be on this show that immigrants would have benefits from hearing from? Sure. Well, as far as resources are concerned, I'm happy to help. Um, I, I don't have a website up yet. I'm actually still working on my website, but if anyone wants to reach out, um, they can contact me at B sab law office at gmail.com. So that's B S for Sam, A-B, law, L-A-W, office, O-F-F-I-C-E, at gmail.com. Um, so I'm happy to help with whatever I can. And, you know, as far as other resources, um, I feel like the guidance that the New York City Commission of Human Rights puts out is very helpful um, you know, they have a really good guy that you can kind of refer to to know if you're being, um, you know, discriminated against. The New York State Division of Human Rights also has a similar guide that's available to anyone online. Um, on the federal level, you have the EEOC or the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, they also have some great resources online. Um, and as far as... Um, who you recommend, who I would recommend to be on the show. Um, I, I feel like, um, you know, an attorney that knows criminal issues that an immigrant may face um, would be helpful. So I can certainly, um, 
recommend um, a criminal attorney who's familiar with immigration issues um, to you after the show. Great. And uh, yes, obviously, the most important resources will obviously be you because you specialize in employment law and you've had experience representing employers and employees um, in wage and hour and discrimination claims. So you should be their first uh, point of reference. Uh, and you know these laws in depth. You have experience litigating these these cases, gotten results for your clients. And you know, we obviously put your contact information in the show notes so that people can reach out reach out to you through email or through other ways like your phone number and et cetera, and your website eventually. So, uh, well, that concludes our show. Um, and I'm happy to have had Babylon Sarbawar on our show uh, for another Thank episode. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, for another episode of Lawyers for Immigrants, And again, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And thank you very much, Babylene. Thank Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you.